Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Welcome to church. Let's give the worship team a big hand for leading us in such a powerful time of worship. Amen. And let's give another big hand to Jesus. Amen. The author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Today we're here to celebrate Jesus because He reigns. And forever, forever and ever and ever, He will reign. Amen. You know, I, I like Christmas. I really do. But I love Resurrection Sunday. And today is Resurrection Sunday. And the reason why is because Christmas talks about Jesus coming. And, and everyone can be born. Anyone can be born. And everyone in this room has been born. And on Good Friday, we, we celebrate the fact that Jesus died. And, and the truth is, uh, people die. And all of us, one day, we will die. But the one thing that separates, the one thing that sets Jesus apart from every other faith, that sets Jesus apart from every other religion, is today. It's the fact that He rose again. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't just die, but He came back. He conquered the grave. And that's why we sing. Otherwise, we'll just be singing about a dead founder. But no, we sing about our Savior who's alive. Amen. That is the reason we gather. That is the reason we, we come together for church. That is the reason we sing. That is the reason we give. That's the reason we serve. That's the reason we live. It's because Jesus lives. Amen. You know, and, and, and people ask me all the time, no, uh, why, why do you believe? Why, what makes you a Christian? And I always say, it's because Jesus lives. And, then, and people say, how do you know he lived? Because I tell them there are three ways, three simple ways uh, that, that, that help me to believe, help me to cling on to this faith. It's the fact that there's a tomb and it's empty. You know, and, and, and Jesus, you know, you can go to Israel today. And a and, and majority of, of, of people living in Israel today, they're not Christians. But they will point you to the, to the empty tomb. They will still point you to the empty tomb. And it doesn't matter whether you go to the one that has been traditionally believed to be where Jesus was buried or the one that archaeologists believe where he was buried. So whether it's faith or science, they both believe that Jesus was buried. But wherever you go to, both are empty. And so it's as if, if one empty tomb's not enough, Jesus say, I've got two for you. And not only that, the Bible says, and not just the Bible, but secular first century historians, AD first century, said that not only did Jesus come back, but his believers all testify that they have their witness. And not just one, not just two. Because just in case one or two people can, can, can mistake. Have you been there before where you see a friend from afar and go like, hey, I think that's, oh no, it's not. But it wasn't just one or two. It was up to 500 people on multiple different occasions. And so this is not hallucination because there's no such thing as, as such a mass hallucination. And not only that, you may be thinking, well, what if it's just, you know, his, his followers cooking up a story? Well, I tell you, it's not because not only did he appear to those that believe him and love him, he even appeared to those that hate him. And so you don't, you don't have a hallucination of your enemy coming back. And it only happens because it really did. And so we celebrate because the tomb is empty. Yeah. The other reason why I cling on to my faith is because I know it's the truth. And, and the Bible is not a piece of human propaganda. Yeah. The Bible is truth because it's written with such honesty. 
you know, not only did he talk about what all that Jesus did, but he also talked about all that Jesus went through. His pain, his anger, his frustration, his fear even. And not just that, it so honestly, accurately depicts all that happened. If this was a piece of human propaganda, then everyone in here would look good. And the thing is this, if you really read the Bible, nobody here looks good except God. And pointing to us that only God is good. I love the honesty because sometimes, you know, when, when the truth is the truth, you just have to tell the truth. And I love the fact that even the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, Jesus coming back again, were not men, but they were women. And this is so, so crucial. We live in a world today where both men and women are considered credible witnesses, but when this was you know, compelled, it was a patriarchal society where women were considered to be you know, uh, unreliable witnesses. And yet God chose women. Because it's not about whether you are reliable or not, it's the fact that it really happened. It doesn't matter whether you, you know a food or you don't know food, but when you taste good food, all you need to do is to point people to the food, and the food speaks for itself. And that's what Jesus did. His resurrection speaks for itself. And so that's why even women were used as witnesses to tell the men to say, come and believe, come and see for yourself. I love the fact that the Bible also deals with such honesty and truth about the human condition. You know, when you look at the world around today, what's wrong is not a philosophical problem, it's not an economical problem, it's not all that. Yeah, don't get me wrong, there are wars happening around the world. There's, there's, there's economic uh, uh, uncertainty happening around the world. But do you know what's behind every economy? Human corruption, human greed. Do you know what's behind every war? Human ambition and human hatred. Do you know what's behind racism and other sociological issues that plague our, our life today? It's again human prejudice, human. And the Bible so honestly, you know, diagnoses the problem with the world today. It's not because you've done something in your past life. It's not because the, 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 the universe is unfair or anything like that. It's not because the gods are cruel. No, it's because of humanity. And God so loved the world that when He created everything, despite humanity rejecting God, despite humanity turning our backs against God and, and making a mess out of everything, including us. You might be thinking, well, pastor, yeah, you know, there's some very awful people in this world today, but I'm not one of them. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because all of us, you know, all, all you need to do is play a small part then you are part of the problem. You might not be the problem, but you're part of the problem. And then for the problem of humanity to truly be transformed, every part needs to change. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to earth. He didn't just go like, oh, humanity, you guys suck. Let me start over with another planet. Do you know that God, all things are possible. He can start life on planet Mars, but He doesn't. A God is not a God that abandons us. Hallelujah. He's a God that steps into our problem and makes our problem His problem. And on the cross, he paid the price for that problem. You might be thinking that, hey, if God so loved the world, why does he just cancel all the debts? But then what, what will happen, you know, to the actual problem itself? All of us, we love a good God. But do you know that for God to be good, he needs to also be fair and just. Justice means that not only must the, the, the wrong be forgiven, but the wrong must be fixed. The price must be paid. Let's say, for example, you know, you, you stole candy 
from a shop, you know, going back to the candy shop owner to say, uh, sorry, I stole something. It doesn't solve the problem. The candy shop owner is still missing some candy. You got to pay it back. You got to give it back. I'm sure all of us here, you know, we want good, but we also believe in justice. Can you imagine if someday, you know, you hear bad news, uh, uh, your loved one has been run over by a car and then the drunk driver comes, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I, 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 Quit, I will quit drinking for the rest of my life. Do you just say, okay, go and be well? No, you'd be like, what about my mom that you ran over? And that is the problem of sin. It's not that God doesn't want to just forgive, but there needs to be a price that is paid. And Jesus paid that price fully on the cross. He died for us because it was us. You know, we, 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 we turn our lives back from God and, and Jesus gave His life for our sakes. Amen. And that's why I love because of the truth that the, there's no such truth that deals to the core of the human problem. And of course, last but not least, I believe in transformation. I believe the Bible is real because it's still transforming lives. Amen. You know, the Bible is not a piece of philosophy. The world today is full of philosophy. We go to school, study philosophy, Aristotle, Plato, but I never heard someone say, Plato saved my marriage. I never heard someone say, Aristotle delivered me from my drug problem. But yet in this church and in this room itself, I know so many of us who God has healed us of our eating disorder. And God has healed us of our sickness. And God has defeated cancer. And God has defeated the tyrant problems in our... God has stopped bleeding in this very church. I, I know because I have met these people, we have rejoiced together of the fact that God is at work. The transformation is real. A piece of paper will never save your life. That's why you can go to university and that piece of paper will not save your life. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Just giving you the truth. But the thing is this, God will save your life. God can change your life. Amen? And this room is living proof. Of, of life being transformed. And that's just in this room itself. Cancer is healed. Thyroid healed. Bleeding stopped. Addictions broken in the name of Jesus. Mental health healed in the name of Jesus. Life's transformed. Some of you seated here, you will say that, Pastor, once I was a monster, but now I'm a man. And praise God, because only the Lord can do it. And that's just in this room. That's not counting for the, the countless lives. Almost two Two billion people on earth today call Jesus Lord and Savior. And there must be something about this first century Jewish rabbi that walked the earth and forever transformed. Don't think for a while that Christianity is a Western religion or Western philosophy. Uh, go back to your history books and you just need to visit any museum and you'll realize that what a barbaric continent this place used to be before the gospel. Before the gospel, there was just tribes warring against each other. There was no civilization. You know, even Rome, which saw itself as the peak of civilization, was at the brink of collapse until the gospel stepped in, until Jesus stepped in. Amen. Even what we have today, the hospital system we have today is because of Christians. The, 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 the justice system that we have today is because of the gospel. Everything that we call civilized and good in society today, even though it's, we, we can call it secular, it is still has its origins in the Word of God. And that is why I truly believe that Jesus is real. Amen? I've not even started on my message yet. This is me exciting about Resurrection Sunday. And this is why I want to share to us 
that here, I love what Rora shared earlier on, we're not here, gathered here today to celebrate a bank holiday. Even though, thank God for bank holiday and everyone who's loving the fact that you don't need to go to work or school tomorrow, say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is so generous. Amen. He gives and He gives to those who believe and don't believe. In this country, the name of Jesus is constantly used profanely and used, you know, uh, uh, just, just, you know, ignorantly, uh, but everybody rejoices <laughs> at the bank holiday called Good Friday and Easter Sunday and bank holiday Monday, whatever you want to call it. But we're not here to celebrate a holiday. We're here to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose again. And, and in other words, friends, don't let anyone tell you that Christianity is just an ordinary philosophical religion. It is power incarnate. Let us not forget, for instance, that we, we, no, Christianity is not normal. If you think that, I just want my little safe version of Christianity, it does not exist. Christians, by our very fact of being Christians, we believe that God came. And we're not crazy. We believe that God took our sin and He rose again. Just think about that for a while there. That, that this is our faith. And sometimes we, we want to take that very supernatural part of our faith that we began with and then as we grow, as, as in age, we begin to try to compartmentalize. We try to squeeze that and we try to limit the resurrection message to just once a year. But friends, it's not meant to be once a year. It's not meant to be resurrection Sunday. It's meant to be resurrection every day. And so if you're taking down notes, why you write this down? The title of a message today is called Resurrection Every Day. Because I want to help us today to live a powerful, not just Sunday, not a powerful resurrection Sunday once a year. No, no, but for us to remember again the power that lives in us and that wants to be with us, wants to overflow. How many of you don't want an ordinary life? How many of you here are saying that, man, I'm, 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 I, I don't want, there must be more to life than just my school. There must be more to life than just my exams. There must be more to life than just my paycheck. There must be more to life than just growing up, getting old and dying. And friends, the good news is, yes, there is. And so why do you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 11? So that you can see for yourself, the Word of God is not just this guy in front screaming his lungs out for you to get excited about the power that lives in us. Amen. The life you live now was never meant to be boring. Never meant to be mundane. Never meant to just be going from routine to routine. Instead, the Word of God says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and praise God, He is. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to what? Your heavenly bodies? To your afterlife? Christianity is not good news for the afterlife. This is not an afterlife insurance policy. This is good news for this life. The very one who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your current mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, first of all, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. And then tell them, the Spirit lives in you. Spirit lives in you. The God we serve is supernatural. Don't ever let anything tell you. Don't let anything make it boring. Don't let your friends, don't let the books you read, don't let anything tell you. God is supernatural. 
And let us not think for a while that there's a separation. Sometimes we think that there's a platonic relationship between the natural and the supernatural. Oh, here I am in the natural, and then maybe above is a supernatural. Ooh, maybe beneath is supernatural, spooky. No, no, no. It's intertwined. Jesus came so that the Spirit is not hovering over us, but lives in us. And so God appears and, and he, he, instead of us tapping into the supernatural, no, God inserts His super into our natural. Naturally, we feel like giving up. But when God's super enters our natural, we can persevere. And then we, even though it was unnatural for us to praise, unnatural for us to pray, unnatural for us to trust, but when God's super, when His Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it suddenly becomes natural, super natural for us to trust in Him, super natural for us to forgive, super natural for us to trust, super natural for us to love, super natural for us to serve. That's how God works. Amen? Don't compartmentalize your faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, Stop Tupperwareing God. And those who cook will understand Tupperware. But those who don't, go back and Google. But while you're Googling first, let's turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 49. I want to reintroduce this again to the Jesus that we serve. Read the Bible, friends. It is God's love story for us. It's incredibly life-changing, but it's incredibly exciting as well. Don't let anything, don't let any lie tell you otherwise. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to, in fact, we're going to read it all the way to 53. Amen? And so this is Jesus. Remember earlier on I said that he, he's the first witnesses were women. He said, women, go tell the men. And then there was just one appearance to some women. And then after that, he appeared to some other disciples who were so down and out. If you're down and out, good news, God walks with you. Yeah. And there were some disciples who were so down and out thinking that we, we thought Jesus was a man, man. And then, we, then he died, oh man. And God said, hey, tell me. Jesus appears, living and breathing. They were so deep in their mourning that they couldn't see Jesus. But as they walked with Jesus, our God is a God that walks with you. As they walk with Jesus, they begin to see Jesus for who He is. And then they came back and tell the rest, He's alive! And as they were still going on about, are you sure? I mean, the, the women said the same thing, but, but we haven't seen Him. And then it brings us here. So all that was just context, okay? Now, as they were talking about these things, as they said these things, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them. And so Jesus, whatever you call it, teleported, Bend the rule of space-time continuum, you know, phased into the room, whatever Marvel superhero term you want to use. But he appeared, the Bible says, he just appeared and said to them, peace to you. And they were terrified and frightened. Suppose that they had seen a spirit. I mean, this is how true the Bible was. The, 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 the earlier Paul's weren't going like, and when they saw Jesus appear, they go like, good on you. They didn't go say like, about time. No, they were terrified. They were freaked out just like how we would be. If something suddenly poof, appears in the room, we'll be like, ah! Yeah. So I love the fact that the Bible is so honest. They go, ah! Hey, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And just go like, peace. Chill. Guys, it's me. Moi. And says this, and, and he said to them, why are you troubled? Why are you so freaked out? Guys, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Again, the honest truth. 
How many know that you can bring your doubts to God and he will not despise you? And God says that, guys, I know your trouble. I know you've got doubts. Behold, my hands and my feet. Hallelujah. That it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Let's pause there for a while. Handle me. I love that word. Christianity is one that welcomes everyone. Doesn't matter if you're here as a favor to a friend or you're here trying to prove Christianity wrong. Hey, our God says, handle me. Taste and see. Come on, come on, come on, handle me. Come on, come and put, put your fingers. Come on, so many people in the world today started their lives by saying that, ah, the Bible is fake until they handled the truth. And then they realized that, oh, this is absolutely 100% accurate. And so, friends, if you're on a journey, don't worry. God welcomes you to handle Him. He says, come on, handle me and see if you can handle me. And they say, handle me, come on, touch, take all the time, poke and prod, come to church, ask questions, go to homes, ask questions, keep coming, keep poking, and, and, and before long, the truth will set you free. Amen? The truth is not afraid of questions. And that's why Jesus is the truth, right? And when He said this, He showed them His hands and His feet. If you're saying that, God, if you're real, I need a sign. Good news, God will. Why can you pray like that? Because this is the same God that showed the people right in front of Him. You would think that being in front of Jesus, you don't need any more proof. And yet Jesus is not afraid. Some of you are thinking, is it okay if I ask God for more confirmation? These people were standing in front of Jesus and Jesus says, come on, touch me and see for yourself. Look at my hands, look at my feet. But while they did not believe for joy and marvel, so they were still skeptical, He said to them, all right, all right, let me prove it to you. Do you have any food? Hallelujah. I praise the Lord that God speaks every language, especially the language of food. And every foodie say, Amen. You know, sometimes you don't really know someone until you had a meal with them. And then when you go like, man, I think we can get along. We like the same stuff. We are people of good taste. Literally. And then Jesus said, have you any food? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Broiled fish. When I was young, I read it as boiled fish. I was like, ew, boiled fish. But broiled fish. Grilled fish. Fish that's been cooked with fire. Broiled fish and some honeycomb. So if you want to eat like Jesus, you know, take a piece of fish, salmon or cod and just grill it and smother it with some, some honey butter and then, amen. Let, let, let it be your, 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 your meditation for the rest of the day. And he took it and ate it in their presence. And so Jesus, not only is He Lord and Savior, He also invented mukbang. Because there He was. You don't believe me? Alright, let me just go and keep eating. And then they were just watching. Right? Today, we go on YouTube, we watch people eat, and then we go like, whoa. The first disciples did the same thing. Whoa. He's really, he's really swallowing. Pass me the honey. Okay, okay. Then He said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you. Come on, guys. You should know this while I'm still with you. I've been telling you this. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so God is not far away. God has been working. Some of you may be thinking, oh, if God is God, why does He come now? Well, because He already came. And not only, He didn't just only come during first century. No, 
He's been working. He says that since the time of Moses, since the time of Adam's fall, all the way to Abraham, and from Abraham to Moses, I have been working. I've been working since Moses' time. I've been working since the prophets of old. I've been working in the Psalms that you've been singing. I've been working. And all these things point to me. Guys, can't you see? Do you know that Jesus fulfilled 315 prophecies about his life? All on him. If you study math, you know that the odds of that is astronomical. The odds of that, you would say, is out of this world. Well, good news, Jesus came from out of this world. <laughs> And everything, even how he would die to how he was born. In fact, so much more, even as I was meditating on this scripture, I, I've been reading, you know, some of the parts of, of, of the, you know, the, 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 the first five books of the Bible. And uh, I'm right now, you know, in my reading in Deuteronomy. I know some of you are thinking that's the book you, you, you read when you come fall asleep. But Deuteronomy, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's so powerful. The Word of God comes to life. And in Deuteronomy, Moses was, was about to bring the people, about to pass them on into the promised land. And he kept reminding him, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget that God is good. Don't forget that He delivered you out of Egypt. And the word that Moses kept saying again and again is the Lord delivered you with His mighty hand and His outstretched arm. And today, as I was meditating on this, I say, go like, that's not even a prophecy. That's just a fact that God did deliver His people with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. And then suddenly, I remember the cross where that mighty hand was pierced for our sins and His arms were outstretched for us. So God's been delivering us with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm since before we were born and He's still doing it today, friends. Amen. Hallelujah. And then it says this, and He opened their understanding. He opened their minds. He blew their minds. They said, guys, come on. And they, and, and, and they start to comprehend the Scriptures. Let, let's go on. Then He said to them, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And we are. The message that started in Jerusalem have today reached England. And not just recently, for centuries. And, and out of England has reached to, we have, we're in our church, we have nations represented. This same gospel has reached Hong Kong. This same gospel has reached Singapore. This same gospel has reached Indonesia. This same gospel has reached Malaysia. This same gospel has reached Brunei. This same gospel has reached Australia. And the ends of the earth call New Zealand. Everywhere has been reached. Amen. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And Jesus is saying that now partner with me and I'm sharing my power with you. I'm going to pray that the, the Father gives you the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. How many love that we don't serve a selfish God? He's so generous. Not only did He selflessly give up His life for us, but He now partners with us. Amen. And how do you know that there is no interview process needed to follow Jesus? You need to interview for a job. You need to interview to go into the university. You know, you need my, to write, cover letter, whatever. Oh, I love your university because I've always been passionate about the city. That's why I want to go to city university. Oh, ever since young, I love going to school and studying economics. And that's why I want to go to the school in London that does economics called the London School of Economics. 
Do you know that my ancestors were part of the royal family in China? Uh, therefore, I'm part of a royal heritage, and therefore, it is only right that I study in King's <laughs> College. Because I think university is too pompous. Who calls to King's University? So King's College. I get you guys. Let me in. My wife recently, can I share this? I'll share this by faith. She, <laughs> praise the Lord. She's, you know, uh, the, her company wants to promote her. Praise the Lord. But do you know that even in this country, to promote is like, all right, now write a letter to show why we should promote you. It's like, what? You, you either like me, you either think I'm of worth and promote me, or don't. Don't go like, we think you've got potential. Now prove it. In 500 words or less. But Jesus never. The Jesus says that, hey, um, and wait here and sit for your GCSE. You need to master the Hebrew language, then uh, master Greek and Aramaic, then go to Bible school. Then I will see whether you're worthy or not to receive power from on high. Then get your passport done, apply for your visa, then go to the ends of the earth. What do you feel like you, do? You, sh- you, you can? No, everyone. The generosity of God knows no bounds. And, and then it says here, right? And then, he led them far out, Bethany. So Jesus walked with them again, lifted up his hands, blessed them. And now it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and he was carried into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually praising God in the temple. Amen. I know that's probably one of the longest time you have to read scripture. But let me summarize it. Okay? This is the Jesus that we serve. Okay? Let me just get us all to repeat this statement, all right? If you can't forget my exposition, remember this. My Jesus is a death-conquering, entropy-defeating, gravity-defying, space-time-bending, nature-commanding. He can come every storm. Prophecy-fulfilling, mind-blowing. I want to say mind-opening, but blowing sounds cooler. Mind-blowing. Power-sharing, sin-forgiving, selfless-loving, flesh-and-blood Son of God. That is Christianity. That is my Jesus. Jesus is not baby Jesus in Christmas. Jesus is not hanging on the cross Good Friday. Jesus, Jesus, friends, is the death-conquering, entropy-defeating. Entropy is one of the terms in the law of thermodynamics, the second law that says that everything will eventually lead into decay. We are in a constant state of entropy. Energy will just burn smaller and smaller and eventually not disperse, but it will just become so chaotic. And they believe that because of that, the universe is ever expanding, blah, 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 blah. But Jesus says eternal life. Eternal life. He says, hey, entropy, you think you're in charge? Not anymore. Eternal life from now forevermore. He's a gravity defying, walks on water, walks on cloud, space time bending. Not only did he appear to disciples like that, but so many of us have had Jesus appear to us. Maybe not physically, maybe some physically, but always in our hearts, in our lowest moments. He's living, he's not dead, he's God. Amen. He's the nature commanding everything, bows to his name. The Bible says that if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Prophecy fulfilling, mind blowing, power sharing, sin forgiving, selfless loving, flesh and blood, son of God.
Jesus is supernatural. Amen? And, and, and why am I sharing all this? Because I don't ever want us to forget. Don't ever go to Monday and go, oh, yeah, Jesus, if you can. What do you mean by if you can? What do you mean by if you can? Have you forgotten for a while the Jesus that you just prayed to, the Jesus that saved you? Amen? So it's not Jesus if you can. Jesus, yes, you can. Obama promised, yes, we can, but only Jesus delivered. And, 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 and I want to give us three points that will help us not just to get excited when we come together like this, but to not only live a resurrection life, but have that resurrection life flow into your Monday, Fridays, flow into your offices, flow into your family, flow into your life, flow into your colleges, flow into your homes. And three things. This is how we keep living that resurrection life. Point number one, and if you've been paying attention, this should be sound familiar. Remember the tomb. Remember the tomb. And remember that it is empty. Let the tomb, the empty tomb, frame the way you look at the world. And remember that the God we serve is the God that conquered death. The God that robbed the grave. The God that turned, which was once dead and given up upon, and He made it alive again. And, and this speaks to us so much more than just what Jesus did. How many of you have some tombs in your life? I don't mean that you've already pre-purchased a, 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 a spot on some cemetery. <laughs> Good on you. That's really 200 IQ thinking. But the truth is this, that all of us here have been told at one time or the other to give up. Hey, that dream of yours, too silly. You need to be more realistic. Don't you know your background? Don't you know your skin color? Don't you know your limitations? Why are you dreaming so big? Don't you know it's time to grow up? We've gone so many times by faith and people say, come on. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to give up? When are you going to be realistic? When are you going to wake up? And in response, we've buried some dreams. In response, we've let death become the, the, the frame in which we look at life. And then we, we, we comfort ourselves by saying that I'm just being realistic. I'm just being practical. But no, no, no. God wants you to be supernatural. So don't just look at the world around you with like, oh, you know, let me, let me limit, let me not be a bother to God. No, no, God's not bothered. God's not bothered by the impossible because He's the impossible, He's the impossible, possible God. He makes the impossible possible. You get it. And so what we need to do is start speaking again to the areas in the life, the dreams, and go like, you know what? In Jesus' name, I'm going to believe again. In Jesus' name, I'm going to hope again. In Jesus' name, I'm going to try again. In Jesus' name, I'm going to keep praying. In Jesus' name, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let this thing bury me. I'm not going to let this setback bury me. I'm not going to let this bad news bury me. I'm not going to let other people's opinion bury me. And even if they try to bury me, hallelujah, my God overcame the grave. And so even if you feel so low right now, and sometimes when we feel low, we feel like we're, we're like in the tomb. And life is just 
piling dirt over us, trying to bury us with stress, trying to bury us with shame, trying to bury us with our past. Hey friends, that's why you need to say, no, not anymore. You're going to stand up and shake off the dust and say that my God has emptied the tomb. I serve the God of the empty tomb. So no tomb is going to bury me. No dead end is going to push me back. Oh, hallelujah. Even if there's a dead end, even if there's a setback, come on, I serve a miracle-making God. Are you in a situation where you go like, man, unless a miracle happens, there's no way I'm going to get that job. Unless a miracle happens, there's no way I'm going to pass the exam. Unless a miracle happens, you know, I'm going to be stuck with my anxiety forever and ever and ever. Unless a miracle happens, I need to be on medication. Unless a miracle happens, you know, I'm dead. Good news. Miracles can happen. Because our God has already done it. If God did it, 2,000 years ago, he will do it again and again and again. Did you see Jesus fed up when they kept asking him questions? He went like, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Just touch. Just touch. Oh, God is the God that invites our curiosity and satisfies it. Point number two, remember the truth. The truth. The truth is not just what the Bible speaks about us, but the truth is also everything the Bible says. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. How do we live a resurrection life? Let the empty tomb frame our perspective and let us be powered. How many of you were glad that recently you finished 21 days of prayer and fasting? Come on, be honest. Hallelujah. Those of you who fasted meat, oh, was it good to, to eat the flesh of a living being again? <laughs> to have the life essence of another creature fulfill your life essence? Just talking morbidly, you know, for all the carnivores in the house. Amen. And those who recently re, you know, tasted flesh and blood again say, come on, don't be shy. It's okay. <laughs> Jesus has died and made all things clean. It's okay. It's okay. All right. You're not eat- if you're eating a human being, then stop it. Stop it and demon get out. Okay. But otherwise, hey, meat is fine. How many of you have been fasting? I don't know. Yesterday I was in Bristol before church there. Some of them said, Pastor, I've been fasting computer games. And they get that, wow, the, the, for 21 days, I never pressed my computer. And yesterday when I rebooted, the sound of windows reopening sounded like the choir of angels singing in the heavens. And I go, I feel you, brother, I feel you. Some of us here, you had coffee. You realize that, wow, I didn't know this, this little thing, coffee. And then you suddenly become so convinced that coffee is a gift from the Lord. You know, you go by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and coffee. <laughs> because... Fasting reminds us of the thing that satisfies, that comforts, food comforts. But friends, the Bible also reminds us that man does not live on flesh and blood only. In other words, don't just let coffee comfort you. Don't just let food comfort you. Don't just go with the power of the fried chicken. No, go with his truth. So we start by re-looking at our world. But after that, if you want to live a new life, you've got to change your diet. The key to changing your lifestyle, if you are thinking of losing weight or becoming healthier, is not just to exercise more, we'll get into that part later, but it's to eat something different. Now, don't just let the truth be a thing of the past. Let the truth be a thing of the present. You know, there's so much truth in the Bible. And this truth is not just a mere suggestion. This truth is not wishful thinking. This truth, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. I want you to reframe how you look at God's Word 
God's word is not a suggestion. God's word is not just some, some you know, uh, uh, you know, emotional pep talk. You know, God's, 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 you know, word, His truth is not just a motivational encouragement. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. God doesn't just rule heaven and the devil runs earth. No, no, no. God rules heaven and earth. In other words, Jesus is saying that all the workings of the world now belong to me. And so when I tell you that my way works, it works. It's not just suggestion. It's not just wishful thinking. It's authority. Don't just look at God's truth as just a suggestion, as just, you know, because sometimes that's what we do. We compartmentalize, we separate. We think that, oh, there is, you know, Christian values and then there's like real life stuff. You know, there's, there's ethics and then there's Christian ethics, you know. Pastor, you don't understand the world, you know. You need to be street smart, street smart. And you know, God is saying that, no, my truth will set you free. His wisdom is not just for the streets, it's for life. You know, I don't have time to unpack because we're running out of time, but if you go and you meditate on on everything that Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, and the world says that, why are you so naive? Why are you so trusting? But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's not just wishful thinking, it's not just a morality lesson, it is authority. When you begin to be impure in heart, it will pay off. When it says, blessed are the merciful, when you keep showing mercy and compassion to people, people say, hey, you know, Forgive, but don't forget. But God says, be merciful. But no, if you do that, people will take advantage of you. No, 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 no. When you're, when you're merciful, you're exercising God's authority. And nobody can mess with God's authority. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Love your enemies. Don't worry about tomorrow. Pastor, you don't understand, okay? You don't understand. Sometimes people talk to us like, like we've never went to school. You don't understand. I got exam tomorrow. Okay, Pastor? All right? I'll be like, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not as simple as just don't worry. I'm like, it's not, it's not me telling you don't worry. It's the death conquering. Gravity defying. Anthropy defeating. Space-time banding nature Commanding, prophecy fulfilling, mind blowing, power sharing, sin forgiving, selfless, loving, flesh and blood, Son of God that tells you don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own fair share of worrying. Don't borrow tomorrow's worry today. Don't do tomorrow's homework today. Today has enough issues as it is. Focus on today. And we think that God's not relevant. No, the truth. Friends, start devouring God's truth. That's how you start living the resurrection life every day. Last point and I'll close. Transformation. Transformation. The transformation that is ever growing. Remember the tomb that's empty, the truth that is working, and the transformation that is growing. I love the fact that God says in Luke 24 verse 48, we read it just now, be my witnesses. You know what witnesses do? Witnesses experience. You can't be a witness unless you've experienced it. You can't tell people, hey, that place serves the best ice cream. That place serves the best kebab. If you've never tasted it, 
if you've never been a first-hand witness. And Jesus is saying that, hey, I'm inviting you to be my witnesses. In other words, God is saying that, let me transform your life. Would you allow me to transform your life so that you can help other people see? That's what witnesses do. They help other people see. They help other people experience. They help other people believe in the transformation. How, no, you, you keep telling me that, that, that Jesus can, can meet all my needs. And then you go like, yeah, because I've applied the truth and I allowed that truth to transform me. Remember earlier on I said that you want to live a new life? You got to eat differently and you got to exercise. Sometimes you got to exercise the Word of God. Don't just let it be hate knowledge, but let it flow into every part of your being. And start going like, if, if my God can provide, I'm going to trust Him. If God says, don't worry, I'm going to stop worrying. You never know until you go through it. Some of you go like, but, you know, oh, why can't God just do it? And then I'll tell people, God's not going to Amazon Prime your testimony. You see, a lot of us, we, we want the product. We want the, we want the testimony just like that. But, but if you get it, it's just going to be an empty review. You know how sometimes you go on websites, you go like, should I, should I trust this product? And then you read the reviews that sound too good to be true. And then you know what gravitates you? The, the honest review. The one that has a lot of people going like, thumbs up, this is the one. And God is saying that, I want you to become the kind of witnesses. And you can't be God's witnesses unless you go through some of the stuff. A lot of us here, we don't like to go through stuff. And we say, God, why me? Why am I? And God is saying, why not you? Why not you? How will people believe unless somebody tells them? And how will they know unless you go through it? How do you... So friends, let God transform. It's a process. And don't be satisfied with just one transformation. Let God transform you again and again and again. Have fresh testimony one after another, after another, after another. Amen. And soon, when people see your life, they'll be like, there must be something about your God. And you can tell them, yeah, there is something about my God. Amen. You know, I know I'm running out of time, but, but I just want to tell us, friends, don't live a boring life. Don't live a boring life. God has so much more in store for you. And God welcomes us to partner with Him. So friends, I pray that from today onwards, if you haven't already, but especially from today onwards, you will start letting God's resurrection power overflow into your studies, into your relationships, into your work, into your finances, into your emotions, into your every, everything, into your life plan. So that it's not just resurrection every day, but you live just like Christ, a resurrection life. So that all might see and believe. Amen? Praise God. You know, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I think there's no other way to respond than just to Worship the Lord. And uh, I appreciate your patience and we're going to end soon. But before we stand up and worship the Lord together, I just want to give some people here an opportunity. Maybe some of you here, a friend invited you. I don't know. Or maybe you've been coming. You've been coming. And uh, you've been discovering Jesus 
for yourself. And that's great. That's awesome. But it comes a time, friends, where we have found enough evidence to believe. Then the most honest and right thing for you to do is to give in and to believe. Don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Because God has the resurrection life in store for you. Every day you procrastinate is one day less of a life lived full of power and purpose. Or maybe some of you here, it is your first time coming and, and, and you tried different things to fill the void in your life. You tried money, you tried meditation, you tried self-help, you tried exercise, you tried money, you tried relationships and it doesn't satisfy. I love the fact that when Jesus rose again, He left the tomb. He left some angels there to point people to rendezvous with Him in Galilee where He promised that He would meet them. And when the people were like bowing down to the angels and go like, well, what do you mean is His rose again? No, give Him back. The angel said, why do you guys seek the living among the dead? And I sense that that's a word for some of you here. You're looking for life. You're looking for life. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for freedom. But you've been looking at the wrong places. You've been looking at the dead things of this world like money. You've been looking at the dead things of this world called property. You've been looking at the dead things of this world called success. You've been looking at the dead things of this world called relationship. You've been looking at the dead things of this world called sex. You've been looking at the dead things of this world that cannot satisfy because friends, you're, you're not meant just to consume more entertainment and to have sex and food and, and all those things are a blessing from the Lord but that's not what you are meant for. You're created for God. That only God can satisfy. Don't look for life among the dead. Don't look for the Creator among the created. And today I believe that life is here. His name is Jesus. And so whether you've been coming and now you, you know your prayers, maybe some of you came as a non believer, but you cannot help it every time. Prayer time, you get a bit awkward initially. I uh, don't know what to do. And then this overly friendly people that seems to be glowing with this otherworldly joy says, can I pray for you? And initially you were like, uh, yeah, yeah uh, uh, not really, everything is okay. <laughs> and then when life hits you, you go like, yeah, okay. Actually, my job sucks. I've been trying to look for life. I thought, I thought this high-paying job was satisfied, but it's not. Can you pray? And then they pray. But as much as you don't want to admit something happened on Monday, the interview went your way, the promotion happened, the healing happened, not just once, but every Sunday, when these Christians turn to you and go like, can I pray for you? And then suddenly every week you begin to go like, actually these people, they're, they're not freaky. No, no, actually I, Actually, there's something about them. There's a joy about them. There's a faith about them. 
There's a confidence about them. That's why they are glowing. Everywhere you've been coming, or even if you don't feel like you've come that regularly, but every time you come, you cannot help it. You walk away feeling peace. You walk away feeling filled. You walk away feeling like the prayers work. I, I don't know about this Jesus, but every time the Christians pray, something good happens. What more proof do you need? What more proof do you need? Stop looking for life among the dead. Especially when you've already had a taste of the life. So friends, if that's you, every head bowed, every eyes closed. So I'll give people here a sense of privacy to surrender this very private because I know it's scary but I want you to reassure you there's nothing to be afraid of. This is a personal commitment that you're making between you and God saying that God, I'm stepping into an unknown territory but what I do know is that you've been so good and I can no longer deny it. So God, here I am. I admit that I am lost and I'm so glad that you found me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm so glad you've forgiven me. And Lord, enough signs and wonders have happened for me to believe that Jesus is true. And God, today, I don't want to procrastinate anymore. I want to commit my life to you. If that's you, at a count of three, nobody looking around, I want you to lift up your hands to God, for God, and I will pray with you. We're all going to pray together and we're going to celebrate together. If that's you and today you say that I want to give my heart completely fully to Jesus. <laughs> I think I know who this Jesus really is. He's God. He's the Savior. He's the real deal. If that's you at the count of three, would you surrender your life to Jesus? One, two, three. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hands to Jesus and go like, God, here I am. Take me. Take every bit of me. Heal me. Hold me. Make me new. If that's you, just lift them up to Jesus. Nobody looking around just to give you a sense of privacy. I'm going to count them from five before I move on for people to make this important decision. Five, four, three, two, one. Amen. Amen. Let's say this prayer together. Amen. To help our friends to make this decision for Him. Hallelujah. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. For paying, the ultimate price for paying the ultimate price for my sins, my sins. By, dying on the cross by dying on the cross for me, for me. I receive your love, I receive your love and, forgiveness and forgiveness and eternal life, and eternal life by, faith. by faith. Come into my heart, into my heart. come into my life, be my Lord, be my Lord and, my Savior, and my Savior and fill me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit. in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you say that prayer, please don't leave this place without telling somebody. Tell the friend that brought you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate with you truly. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.